TikTok was eating Silicon Valley's lunch. They were taking all the ad money from Instagram, from Twitter, from Google. I'd say Google and Instagram and Facebook just killing it, knocking it out of the fucking park. So look at who is saying, oh, it's a China and they're tracking everything. Facebook tracks you, Google tracks you, everyone fucking tracks you all over the place. But all of a sudden TikTok is a problem? No is because they're eating their lunch and instead of competing, because you know they've tried, no one can seem to create the TikTok algorithm. It's what people want, the, the quick hits, the sing-alongs, etc. So they decided to lobby politicians and come up with this, uh, this scam. What the hell is that? Stone on air coming up. Completely unsanctioned by the church. Stone on air. Whatever, let's just do this. Stone on air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Give human beings opportunity, and you'll be absolutely shocked with what people do with it. Stone on air coming up. Stone on air. It's so true. We're so easily spooked. We're so easily scared in America. Oh, the Chinese are coming to get you. They're spying on you. We got a ban TikTok. Oh, is that right? Really, Facebook? Really, all the other social medias which made their entire living off spying and stealing your information. Oh, isn't that, isn't that convenient? Now you want to intervene. Get lost, jerks. TikTok, a gift that keeps on giving. This is the Stone on Air Podcast. In the current climate of how I do this show, I don't know how I would be able to do it effectively without TikTok. I pull audio from other sources, but most of it comes from TikTok because that algorithm is the most brilliant thing that hasn't ever been designed. And I can't speak to tech jargon and talk, but every other social media, Facebook being the the, the, the king of this is just stealing, cheating, and plagiarizing what everybody else does better. And now Snapchat has a version of uh, what TikTok does. It's called Spotlight, I think. Little too late on that one there, pal. You know, the Instagram and Facebook have in- integrated, and Instagram's had a little bit of success with it. It's trash. It's rubbish. Twitter, they're still trying to figure out their way. All these other failing social media and tech companies in America. Oh, isn't that rich? The China-based one is out to get us. Who's gonna t- Who's gonna come kill us next? What are we gonna? What shadow are we gonna jump and be scared of next if it's not our own? Welcome in to the Stone on Air podcast. My name is Brian Stone. This is uh, first gonna be available for download on the 9th of February. Just like that, we're marching right in to the new year, 2023. A little bit different of a show today. I um, am going to be putting a, a a pin in it, if you will. I'm going to be taking some time off, and I'll save my thoughts and all the information on that on the final uh, segment of the show, which will be just the back end. This is going to be one long segment here on the open. I've just got a list of stuff that I want to talk about that's just I've been jotting down to myself the last week and um, I don't know how long that's going to take and I'm not all that concerned about it so I'm kind of breaking format a lot of people tell me don't worry about the format man just do whatever you want to do it and I get that I understand this is not a radio show but I'm I've been trained for 20 years 
to to put together audio this way and it's not just because I've been trained it's because I actually enjoy it it I believe that it's a a, a beneficial way to put together a coherent and informative and interesting uh, audio piece to download and uh, listen to digital content distribution if you will so I will I, I will have four pieces of audio at the tail end of however long this lasts. I will have the Stone's Throw segment returns. It's just a reason for me to complain about something, and I'm going to target one of my dear, longest old media friends. Um, it's all in fun, but it's, you know, kidding, not kidding kind of thing. I'll get to that in a few, and then the final segment of the show will just be uh, what it is, and you'll you'll find out then. So let's just start off right on on the top here. I don't think... Many people who listen to this regularly really know anything about Gary Mack, but he passed away in the last day and a half at the age of 67. That's not that old. And he was a vibrantly youthful old man, if that makes sense. He's He, he cross-pollinates in so many different industries. He was radio for forever in the 80s and 90s. Dale Deason, Light Mix 105 maybe was where they first were doing stuff. I don't know, G.O.W., Several different stations throughout the uh, the city. I I didn't you know I didn't listen to that kind of stuff. I was too young at that point. A- as an adult, he as when as I was an adult and working in the industry, he did a little bit of fill in here. He didn't try very hard because he didn't have to. He was out of the business. He was then working as like a spokesperson for Memorial Hospital, maybe oh hospice care at one point. Like he he really was able to blend in into different industries and really do well for himself financially. At least it appeared from the outside looking in and getting away from the dreck and the uh, poverty that is the local Chattanooga media. So um, Gary Mack will be very missed, and he treated me very, very well from the moment I met him. And not everybody in this this industry did. Sometimes they treat you like an asshole immediately because that's what some of these people are. He's not one of them. All right, uh, let's start here, just start on the list. Um, the State of the Union was now at this point two days ago. I, uh, I I put it on my list just and then put in parentheses, hopefully not, meaning hopefully there was nothing to mention. And there not, there's not a whole lot to mention. I saw some people from the left like, oh, what a great speech. Biden is so great. And then, you know, everybody uh, who hates uh, Biden and all, you know, the, the Marge uh, Trailer Park Green types are like, this is the worst thing ever. And they're booing and cackling and all this stuff. I mean, it's kind of turning into British Parliament now. We used to have a little bit more respect around here, but that's long gone. Uh, the little I see some clips, I mean, God bless Joe. I mean, the, the guy has trouble stringing any amount of sentences, let alone paragraphs together and, you know, making sense through all of it. The man's 80 years old. There's nothing, there's no shame in just saying, I've I've had enough now, I'm going to step down. I wish that's what he would do. He's not going to do that because his pride's there, and I don't know what the party wants to do. But I did turn on MSNBC for a few minutes because I used to, once upon a time, like all the people that anchored these kinds of, of after shows, if you will, and it was filled with a bunch of fumbling, bumbling idiots. I mean, these people, including Rachel Maddow, who I'm a big fan of, it was just a cackling, like, high school hallway kind of conversation. And I was just like, that's it. I mean, I, I was already done, but 
that was the final nail in the coffin, if you will, of it, this this programming cannot be viewed by anybody who has any kind of intellectual thought. And if I find out of anybody who does regularly consume this, as I talked about at length last week, I can't trust that person. I can't be. I can't let that person have any kind of prominence in my life because I can't trust their decision making. That was absolutely dreck. And I stopped right there and said, like, oh, off, 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 off. Why did I even think about it? Uh, Griffin's Footlong Hot Dogs down on Main Street, Main and Central. Been there for, what, since 1933? I actually know the guy who uh, owns the joint these days. His name is Josh Hyde. I think the last name is Hyde. And he's an eclectic dude. And it looks like that's the next gentrification area. And... They're being pushed out. Now, it says here from the piece I believe I got from the Times Free Press, it says that Griffins will stay and be enhanced with a new rear patio, while new additions include a French bakery, a yoga studio, and a co-working space. A new courtyard is also planned. However, Josh Hyde, that did get the last name right, owner of Griffins, says he has been told to vacate the building uh, that the hot dog business has occupied since the 1960s. He says that, there's an option to stay at the location, but involved him paying to construct some type of building out himself. He's told to vacate by April 15th. There, there's a rezoning going on here, apparently, from existing C-2 to UGC. I don't know what the hell that's supposed to mean. Somebody quoted from the people involved with this says, Our vision is to encourage local work, live, play, eat, socialize at the nexus of this urban growth corridor at East Main and central. And I thought I said one more thing about how they want to make sure and keep around. Anyway, sounds like they're saying, yeah, sure, you can stick around here as long as you help pay for it. And uh, it's one of those, hey, we tried to let them stay, but, you know, hey, what are you going to do? They they chose a different direction. He also has the uh, the truck, the, the food truck, Miss Griffin's uh, truck that he takes around to downtown and all over the city. I don't know exactly how many stops it makes. But here's the biggest thing. Um, those hot dogs suck. <laughs> Don't tell Josh I said that. They're not good. Um, I've had it a few times. I mean, a hot dog's a hot dog sometimes. But I remember going to um, uh, Lookouts games. We were living out in Udawah when I was 10, 11, 12, 13 years old. And we would drive to Ingalls Stadium. We would get off at, uh, what is that? Uh, Rossville Boulevard, I guess. Yeah. And then we would pass East Main and Mrs. Griffin's foot-long hot dogs, and it was always closed. And I was like, damn it, Dad. I don't think I cussed, probably. I want to have a Miss Griffin hot dog. He's like, yeah, they've been there since 1933. Well, they're only open for lunch. And we're always driving by at 6 o'clock, and I was for years it was like this folklore of this amazing hot dog that I had to have because I was a kid, and who didn't want a hot dog? And finally, as an adult, I had one once, and I was like, yeah, that not all that good. But anyway... Fun story, great business, great people, and another gentrification of just, yeah, see you later. We're going to have a courtyard and a French bread, what did they say? French bread bakery and a yoga studio. Yeah, because that's exactly what we need around here. All right, so Tuesday of this week, I went to Pizza Bros with a couple of friends to do a trivia. Not is less about that, more just about hanging out. Over in East Ridge. And the bartender was Gen Z, like, 
22 years old, maybe 23 at the most. And just like always that I've experienced over the years, whether I was that age or 10 years older than that or now 10 years even more older than that, they try too hard and they try to, you know, fit in with whoever they're talking to. And, God, you know, good for them. I get it. And she's like, I mean, the ink hasn't even dried on all these tattoos yet. I mean, this is how young we're talking about. But she, we're talking gin, and that's my favorite liquor. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'm a gin girl. And then we start talking about different ways that we drink it. And um, at this point, she's pouring beers. She's just, oh, she's, when I'm not talking to her. I am uh, talking to the guy that I'm uh, to my left about different mixers that we uh, like with our gin. And, uh, she, so she was, I don't know if it was eavesdropping is a way to put it, but she was within earshot and she was listening. And I said, you know, if I really want to go slumming and go ghetto, I, uh, you know, I'll mix it with some orange juice. And she looked over like snap head looked over and goes, that's ratchet. And I just had a little bit of silence, like, you know, pause, like ratchet. What does that even mean? Not wretched, ratchet. I said, what was that? She goes, oh, that's ratchet. So then I'm thinking, okay, does that mean gross? Again, we're talking Gen Z, barely old enough to drink. Does that mean gross? Or then I got to thinking, because you got to keep this kind of stuff in mind. I just kind of said, slumming it, ghetto-fied, I'll put some orange juice on it. Is racket some kind of... A ratchet, some kind of word used for bro, like that's uncool of you to. You see where I'm going with this? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I know it sounds silly, but everything is silly, seemingly, when you're a 40 something year old white guy. So she walks off to take the beers to wherever they're going, and I'm talking to the dudes I'm with. I'm like, listen, I don't know what the hell she just said and what that means. But, I mean, I didn't write the song, the most popular hip-hop song of the 90s, Gin and Juice. You do know that the juice is orange juice, right? Like, this is not something I came up with. I don't know what the... And, and it, first of all, it's delicious. So, I don't know where we've gone on our, you know, gone sideways here. She walks back over, and, uh, and I was like, well, clearly you're not going to drink it with orange juice. What do you drink it with? And then it got back into like, haha, and she talked about these ridiculous ways of sh sh sugar water and soda, club soda, blah, none of that matters. And so after the fact, I decided to look up what does ratchet mean from Urban Dictionary. And maybe I did say something that offended this young woman. Ratchet, an, an obnoxious and rude person who is self-contained and believes they are God's gift to the world, but is often just ghetto, fabulous, and low class. Uh, I, I don't know. And at this point, I don't care. Uh, the Riverbend lineup is going to be released possibly by the time you're listening to this. I'm guessing it'll be 10 a.m. I know it's going to be Friday, so at some point on Friday, we all know that Les Claypool's Flying Frog Brigade is going to be there. There's lots of artists that are going to be opening or, or, or in support on that tour with Les Claypool, and many people are are uh, speculating that some of those artists might also be on the Riverbend lineup, Adrian Blue being one of them. Um, I, I don't know any of that. I've A couple of people who know more than me have uh, given me a little bit of a whisper here and there, 
But I can wait till Friday. And if I can wait till Friday, you can wait till Friday. I do uh, I do believe because I believe in the people who are who are booking this thing, just as, as I praised them so much last year, it's going to be really good. Now, the tickets are going to be considerably more expensive. I think the early birds were in the neighborhood of 130 which is still very reasonable. But the tickets last year were at $95. And after they hit the fees, it was only about 110 which is a deal of the century. We knew we weren't going to get that again. That was a, hey, this is an experiment. Let's be, you know, let's be careful with the pricing. Well, the experiment worked. And I'm guessing tickets in the, in the end for a weekend pass will be closer to 200 which is far more um, industry standard and probably still could be considered a pretty good, uh, a pretty good value. Now, there's no chance that this year's festival lineup is, for me, personally, anecdotally, for me, there's no way this year will be better than last year. Last year's lineup is like you took 20 bands, put a list of them on a piece of paper, and said, Brian, you get to you get to pick 12 of them. Like, it, there was a lot of hand-selecting feel to the way last year came together. One of the main guys who's involved with putting this together is my same age. We probably have a lot of the same kind of kindred spirits of uh, of what we think would work in a set of, in a setting like that, and so I have a a lot of faith that that'll happen again this year. But it's not possible. I mean, I just I just do not believe that it's possible that it can be better for me. Doesn't matter though. Doesn't need to be better. I can't wait. I mean, I, I'm I'm more interested in the early drop of Riverbend lineup than I was the Bonnaroo lineup. I've been so jaded over the last you know however long. As I'm in, you know, my midlife borderline crisis right now. So that's Friday. Look for that. I talked last week about Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, and Crosby more specifically for a few minutes, and then the state of where music is and what was what was important to me when I was a teenager and what I believe or wonder is important to, to young people, young teenagers and older teenage young kids. And I kind of declared without meaning to do it that rock and roll is dead. And I thought, man, that sucks to say out loud. And then the more I thought about it, the more I talked about it, the more I believed it. And then what I from I'm talking about from a mainstream, like from an importance level of American pop culture. And I I feel like it's now been completely verified that rock and roll is dead with this year's Grammy Awards. I meant to pull them out to have the the, the uh, winners in front of me to read off some of them. I forgot. Doesn't matter. Haven't heard of almost any of them. But it doesn't matter whether I've heard of them or not. There's almost no rock and roll acts on anything other than the specified categories for the alt-rock and the rock performance and whatever the one other one was that is dedicated to rock and roll music and Ozzy freaking Osbourne won two of them. Do you believe in any universe we're in right now that Ozzy Osbourne, who can't string a couple of sentences together for the last two decades is creating music that's worthy of Grammy, not just nominations, but Grammy winners. No, of course he's not. First of all, he's probably not writing it. And even if he is, it doesn't matter. That's that's the point. That's all you need to know. That in the specified genres of the Grammys, 
the winner of two of the, what do they get? Three overall categories involved for rock and roll. Two of the winners is Ozzy freaking Osborne. Yes, indeed. Rock and roll is dead. And the best thing that came out of the Grammys, I just think it's freaking hilarious. Uh, the Christian right is having a meltdown over the satanic Grammys. Uh, let's see. I didn't see it. I only saw a couple like little quick clips. I'm not going to go sit around, waste my time watching that junk, but because they think the event organizers in, organizers in conjunction with Pfizer were trying to summon the antichrist. This is from Marjorie trailer park green quote. The Grammys featured Sam Smith's demonic performance and was sponsored by Pfizer. Uh, the continues American Christians need to get to work. Satanic panic conspiracies have seen a resurgence in the past decade. I like that terminology. It'd be a good band name. Satanic panic. Satanic panic has also seeped into mainstream Christian nationalism in the U.S. The movement deems any cultural or political institutions that don't reflect evangelical Christians' values as satanic or antichrist. This has included everything from school kids learning uh, about LGBTQ issues to vaccines to drag queens. Uh, this is a Liz Wheeler is her name. Some right wing commentator says, quote, don't fight the culture wars, they say. Meanwhile, demons are teaching your kids to worship Satan. I could throw up. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Oh, that's so funny. And um, and then, of course, it, a lot of this is kind of reminds me. I was just old enough to kind of understand the Madonna like a prayer thing back in what was that 93 or something like that when pepsi pulled their sponsorships and everybody lost their bleep back then because we're all going to hell and we're all uh, satan worshipers Jesus. <laughs> go away please a few more things here then i will get to the stones throw again i don't have any time frame on any of this today amc the movie theaters now i mean they're sucking wind bad if if any industry was affected more than the movie theater industry, I'm not sure which ones they are because all the other ones seem to be able to bounce back because they were desirable things, eating out, going to concerts, going to Broadway shows, going to outdoor events, going, you know, those kinds of things. We couldn't do those things, but we couldn't wait to do them again. I think a lot of us realize, I know I always hated it. I think a lot of people realize going to see crappy movies paying for overpriced junk food and sitting around with a bunch of strangers sucks and I don't want to do it anymore. And so, but some people still miss that activity. Well, they've now picked up on this different kinds of tier pricing. AMC chain is introducing a tier pricing uh, scheme based on your seat location, similar to airlines, sporting events and concerts. Well, the problem is AMC, we want airlines, sporting events and concerts. We don't want your dumb uh, movie theaters. There'll be discount prices for the, like, front row would be the cheapest tickets. Traditional prices for the seats, you know, towards the back and in the middle would be a higher price. Uh, they can't set different prices based on what movie it is. Every flick you watch costs the same amount. So they're just trying different ways to make some money as that entire industry goes uh, down the tubes, down the tubes, down the drain. And maybe it is time for them just to run along off into the sunset. 
Uh, Microsoft Bing is, have you ever used that search engine? I don't know why you would, but they're putting a lot of investment and open AI, they're calling it, to try to compete with Google. And I think they might be able to do it. Now, they're going to need a big, a, a, a big upgrade. I use Microsoft Bing search engine because, um, because Google search engine won't let you screenshot pictures, or at least from my device, it won't. Bing will. Well, I'm regularly pulling pictures for promos and for the show that aren't mine, that I don't own. And Bing, I can screenshot. Google, I can't. So I use Bing all the time. And it's incredibly ineffective. But really, if you use Google just for random searches, what are you really getting? Nothing but a bunch of uh, of ad-supported suggestions. You're not getting the best suggestions. You're not getting the top uh, uh a selection that's best for the information you're looking for. You're you're getting SEO um, optimized results, and sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's not good at all. We used to think Google's think it was the answer machine. No, now it's just the advertising machine. During a surprise event, Microsoft, Microsoft, sorry, Microsoft said that the tech behind OpenAI's ChatGPT. I don't know what any of that means would be integrated into Bing, resulting in a new breed of search engine where answers will be more direct and conversational as opposed to the typical ad-packed list of links, referring to what the way Google does things. The two tech behemoths are scrambling to capitalize on the so-called generative AI. And given the changing search behavior, younger Internet users are increasingly using TikTok and Instagram for recommendations. Both companies know the evolution is necessary. Uh, Zoom, who didn't see this coming, I don't know how they got de de facto became the COVID uh, online video conferencing app, but somehow that happened. Well, they've fallen off a cliff. They're losing 15% of their workforce, 1,300 people. Uh, the CEO is taking a 98% salary uh, cut this year, which if, if he's taking 98%, then you know he's making such an obscene amount of money that he's still got some livable wages coming in on that 2%. Zoom shares are down from 85, are down 85% from where they were in 2020. And with the Super Bowl here, final one before the Stones Throw segment, with the Super Bowl here, uh, it is interesting to know, I had no idea that Budweiser had exclusivity to alcohol or at least beer marketing and advertising on the Super Bowl. I just thought that was just something that they did so well. The rest of the brands decided that they didn't want to have anything to do with because I knew Miller and Coors hasn't had commercials in years because, well, I work for the company and we if, if, if we're going to have something like that, which we are, we get our company newsletters that would say something like that. And another interesting thing about the ads, of course, that's what everybody pretends like they care so much about, spend an entire year, an entire lifetime, bitching and complaining about commercials and advertising. And then the biggest event of the year, all anybody wants to talk about is commercials and advertising. Which one is it? Anyway, crypto, out. Crypto as an overall general uh, industry is not advertising a single dime in this year's Super Bowl. Uh, let's see. Anheuser-Busch rel relinquished the exclusive Super Bowl alcohol advertising rights it held since 1989. I had no idea. 
And now other brands are keen to get in front of the Super Bowl's 100 million viewers. I know Coors is going to have one. I know Miller Lite's going to have one. It says here that it looks like Heineken, Crown Royal, uh, Remy Martin are all going to be involved in advertising this year. I can't imagine what Anheuser-Busch would have paid to have that exclusivity. Um, but who will not be making it to the big game? Crypto. And if you remember the commercial Larry David last year where he was being his typical like, eh, you know what any of this is yeah, yeah. well it turns out that that ad didn't work quite as effectively as they like it says that's because the larry david was unintentionally right when he predicted that crypto company ftx wouldn't make it in his super bowl ad last year for the now bankrupt ftx it doesn't matter it's just like gas prices with me petroleum trade around the world crypto trade and value and conversation you can tell me and you can go on and on you can give me so many great wonderful facts and understanding terminology and then as soon as you walk away or as soon as i put down the the uh the whatever i'm reading or the website i close it out and i stop and i say huh now what the hell were we just talking about every time i don't know what the hell cryptocurrency is i don't understand how it works and i've been told countless times by people who sound like they know what they're talking about and i believe that they know what they're talking about but i just can't understand it my brain just doesn't work on that level for years on the radio i did this and occasionally i'll do it on the podcast it's the stones throw segment heads up it's stones throw what what oh whoa back up the truck beep beep what are you talking about is technology making us mentally ill? Look at me, I'm stupid, I can't do math. This is not making sense to the young adult anymore and they're tired of it. Does that satisfy you? Are you satisfied now? Oh, I love this song. It's Courtney Barnett. Sorry, I'm kind of doing two things at once here as I uh, as I get into this. So, today's Stone's Throw segment of me just complaining about something is uh, this idea that if you wear a band's concert or band's shirt to their concert, that's some kind of really lame, stupid thing. And this has been going on for a long time, and it's just one of those things that you might, you know, especially as kids, you have this, and even young adults, this, oh, oh, you know, this is so ridiculous, you can't do this, it's such a bad look, whatever it might be. And it starts from that movie PCU, which is a great movie, with Jeremy Piven, and he's talking to, uh, what's that dude's name, John Favreau, how do you say his name? Anyway, I recognize him. And, um, and I remember this from the movie, and it says, and, and it's a clip here from, from Twitter, or maybe it was Facebook, and it says, you're the guy, or you're, the sh- you're wearing the shirt of the band you're going to. Don't be that guy. And my incredibly, wonderfully awesome, a longtime friend, Nathan Gale, has always believed in this. And he quote tweeted it, or quote Facebook posted, truth. And we haven't gone back and forth on this a whole lot over the years, maybe in person, not as much online. 
But then there's a little bit of a thread here, and I'm going to read it to you because I think it's one of the most absurd things I've ever heard. And my guy Brett Nolan, local musician and uh, sound engineer from here in town, put it perfectly with the very first clip, like the very or the very first post. Like the, it should have been cleared up after this. Brett says, but always wear the jersey of the team you're going to cheer for in the big game. Be that guy. And then he ends it by just saying, what a weird world. <laughs> I thought that it basically could have ended then. I came in and said, worst take ever. Total rubbish. Jim Sells, which I'm not sure if I've met him personally. I think I have. I was trying to remember what he's done. I think he's contributed to some kind of publications around here in town over the years. But well-known dude. And I've, uh, I've interacted with him on social media before. And it says, absolutely do not. Amateur beyond amateur. My next response was, disagree. I've been doing it my entire life. I'm a pro at this. Jim comes in after that and says, go for it. I, re I recommend it to no one. It's like listening to the band you're going to see on the way to the show. It's the foest of the pause. And that made me think, what the F? Now, not only sh I can't wear the, the shirt of the band that I'm going to see, I also can't listen to their music on the way to the show. Talk about gatekeeping. Is That's a big uh, buzzword. In, uh, in social media with the young young folks, mostly on, on all of them for that matter. You want to talk about gatekeeping. And then I, <laughs> the next post I put was, then I guess I'm like the worst guy ever. So that's the end of that portion. And then a couple more. Amy Edwards, don't know who that is, says, this is the dumbest shit I've ever seen. And Nathan Gale responds to her, I know. Who does that at a show? Nathan, I do every time, all the time. If I've got a show, shirt, a band shirt, I'm wearing it. That used to be my entire uh, wardrobe at one point. Ah, uh, I can't understand this. I don't understand where it's coming from. It can't come from just that dumb movie PCU, and that's it. Ah, uh, this is nonsense. And then the, I can't listen to the band on the way. We would travel and get hotel rooms and bring laptops and play live DVD concerts of whatever the show we were about to go see in an hour. I, 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 I will never be able to wrap my brain around how that is some kind of lame practice. I, uh, I just can't. I just, that's, that's, that's all I have to say about that. All right, let's knock out four pieces of audio here, and uh, then we'll get on to the final segment of the show here shortly. This is what I'm calling today's most agreeable thing. I'd like to think it's the last time you'll ever hear Ted Cruz on this show again, but I agree with every single word. 42 presidents over two centuries build $5 trillion in debt. Two presidents, one Republican and one Democrat, over just 16 years quadrupled our national debt. And now, over the last six years, again, with a Republican president and a Democrat president, we've seen national debt grow from $20 trillion to $31.5 trillion. This is unsustainable. It is completely unsustainable. Tell me, uh, but the debt, Brian, uh, but the debt, uh, the debt's out of control. They need a damn politician out there working 
in D.C. who cares one single second about the debt at all, ever, period, end of verse. As Coach Jim Place used to say, end of sentence. This is the saddest thing I'm calling it. I've been holding on to this one for a while just to use it for whenever, whatever reason. It's a Family Guy clip, I'm pretty sure. I might. I guess it could have been American Dad because it wasn't any of the Family Guy uh, actual characters in it. But this is a guy, imagine a, leaving a, uh, just just married, leaving the church or the, the, the uh, ceremony hall and getting in the car to drive away that says, just married. This is today's saddest thing. Thanks, everyone. Goodbye, Mom. Goodbye, Dad. Goodbye, friends. Goodbye, free time. Farewell, sex. So long, golf on TV. I'll miss you, privacy. Goodbye, being honest about how many beers I've had. Nice knowing you, my own choices. See you later, money. (laughs) See you later, money. Uh, I am so happy for all my friends and people I know uh, who have been able to make this marriage, you know, this life together stuff work. You are a stronger couple of people than I am. I don't know how you do it. I want to fight somebody if they're in my house for longer than like five hours. So I don't know. It's just not for everybody. Two more here, and we'll call this one the worst idea, kind of piggybacking off of the segment last week of most of these cops pretty much suck, and uh, they don't really know what they're doing. They're not qualified, and a lot of times it's not their fault because they're put into positions that they uh, shouldn't be put into. This is uh, some of that anyway, a little bit. The uh, the thin blue line flag. This is today's worst idea. And that brings me to a symbol I see at literally every turn. The thin blue line. This symbol has never, never been about supporting your local police efforts to keep crime down in your neighborhoods. This symbol is pro-fascist and pro-police state by its very nature, cops wouldn't need to create their own flag and operate under it unless they saw themselves as a separate entity, a separate sect, a separate gang with different rules than the rest of us. This flag is an underprop of a tax-funded gang with a license to kill. This may trigger you. It may make you want to talk about bad apples. But every week, dozens of examples of capped out GED with no legal education, no social worker education, out there ruining lives and taking lives. Don't trust cops just because they got a, a, a uniform on. Don't do it. It's, uh, it's, it's dangerous for you to trust police officers just because that's what they are. Oh, and also, what is all this talk from all these patriotic types that I've been hearing about my whole life about desecrating the flag, not putting the flag away properly, not having the flag hanging out when it's raining. I know that's more army stuff. Not wearing it as a as a, some kind of garment or putting a pot leaf on it or or de- or decorating it with different colors. Whatever happened to that? I didn't make that shit up. Somebody else did. Somebody else told me that for my whole life all these years. What's the difference? What, how is that any different with this thin blue line changing it all to black, gray, blue, and and whatever other other color? It's a cult like follow or or of statement is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Don't trust the police, and sure as bleep, don't trust somebody who's waving that stupid looking flag around. Again, I thought we weren't supposed to do that. I didn't make up the rules. 
And the final one here from the same harpist that I think I played from last week or at least within the last two weeks. This is her on the harp playing tool. Today's coolest thing. Just like last week, I wish she would have done it longer. It sounds so freaking cool. And uh, that will be the wraps on this long 40-minute open and first segment of the Stone on Air podcast today. I, I usually put together some kind of guideline with a few things that I'm going to talk about for each segment. Uh, primarily on the open and certainly on the uh, second thirds. I have at least a couple things jotted down. I got nothing for this next one. And I'm just going to start talking into the microphone until I'm tired of talking into it and then end the show. And I will get to that coming up next. Coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At stoneonair.com. Why does your liver hurt after drinking and what to do? Well, the thing to do would be quit drinking because it's bad for you and it's specifically bad for your liver. When you drink alcohol, it becomes um, something called aldehyde in the first step of its detoxing in the liver, which is very stressful on the liver. If you wanted to improve that, vitamin C and glutathione and or N-acetylcysteine will help you with that. But the problem is aldehyde still circulates in the body. New study just came out and shows one glass of alcohol um, five nights a week. Even just one glass makes you older and increases uh, risk. So it's just not a good thing. I struggled with what to do to open this segment because I just didn't know what was appropriate. This song certainly is. Nine Inch Nails, every day is exactly the same. And in retrospect, I probably should have just just had the song coming and not even had anything on the front. Just because I, I don't know. Doesn't matter. I will I will cut right to the chase. And I'm going to tell you a story. I got to get sober. That's, that's, that's the story. All right, show's over. See you later, bye. No, I mean, it's a little more complicated than that, but not much. I'll tell you a story real quick first. It's around 2006. It wasn't around. It was exactly 2006. 
And um, I had just finally started getting to work for GOW regularly. And I had started there in 2002 over at KZ across the hall. And with the whole idea that I, I wanted to work for Talk Radio 102.3 WGOW. Once upon a time, my favorite radio station in the country. I, it was beloved. I, I, it was everything to me. It meant the whole world to me, that radio station. Every minute of it, every day, it just, it was my everything. And over the course of two, three, four, and into 05, I started to really get a lot of work. And I, I went to Bill Lockhart, the program director at the time, and I said, listen, I, you know, I didn't get into this industry to sit around and listen to, you know, Aerosmith all day long. I, I, I got into this to be, to be with you and your brand and what you guys do. And I, I had a decent relationship with, with Bill because he was an instructor of mine at Chattanooga State. So there was some, there was some relationship there already, but I was just a kid, man. I was a child. And by 2005, I was working pretty regularly behind the scenes stuff running boards, answering phones, you know, setting stuff up, little, you know, remedial, you know, or mini meal, blah, blah, whatever the right words are, busy work, but somebody's got to do it. And I was happy to do it. And then by 2006, I had finally landed my first guest fill-in hosting that I was given months advance notice of, which at the time seemed, boy, that's a long time. But, you know, I'm just like, holy bleep, oh, my God. I'm, I just, I'm barely 26 years old and I host a week of, of live action, no net, free form talk radio. Holy hell, I was terrified. I was scared out of my mind. But I still continued to keep working up until then, planning and thinking, trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I worked a week. Jeff was off. Jeff Styles, who was the quarterback of the team and the, of, the, of the station of the whole company, for those who are not aware and uh, I'm filling in for him for a week. And then Chip Chapman, local legend here and, and good friend of mine in, in, in the media business, was was uh, uh, filling in on the other week. And it's very uncommon to take two weeks off in a row. Very uncommon in a lot of industries, but certainly in this one. In August, right? Like, I mean, it just didn't make sense. Well, little did I know, because I'm just a kid who doesn't know anything, Jeff was going to rehab for alcohol, detox. And um, I found out shortly afterwards. And just before leading up to him leaving, that year, in, in 2006, 05 and into 06, I wasn't just some kid in the room or a kid in the building that Jeff you know, didn't even bother to remember my name, which was that's how it was for a while. He, I was finally coming around to being semi-tiny little percentage part of the show occasionally. And, you know, my name would be mentioned out loud on the air and he knew who I was. And he, and we, he started to understand that we had similar interests and I, I emulated him every turn. I mean, he was a, a mentor to me without him even realizing that he was. And so I was finally getting to consider him closer to a friend. Right. So when he gets back and I find out that he just went to rehab and he's not drinking anymore, I was like floored i'm immature i'm young you know i i think that i don't understand dude you're not that much older than me you're barely barely 20 years older than me you look fine you look good your shows are great we're killing it over here we're finally going out and hanging out on the weekends and going to shows at rhythm and brews and 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 the guy that i've always wanted to be like and be around and you're just gonna you're just gonna quit drinking i mean I, there was a sense there was a, a feeling of betrayal 
in in inside my heart and soul. It's not fair. It's not good. That's, that's not that's, that shouldn't have felt that way, but it did. I didn't know any better. That was, I was like, this is what we do, Jeff. Like I feel like I lost a friend before I ever even had him. And I've told him this in, you know, later on down the line. And I talked to people about it at the time. And there's a there's a level of understanding to people who live this lifestyle. It was Scott Chase, that stupid son of a bitch from KZ106, who was my first regular, like uh long time, you know, in the industry guy that I talked to the most before I hated him. Hated him long before the guy fired me. Get that straight there. But I would talk to him about Jeff, and I'd be like, this this was a couple years before that. And I'd be like, this guy, I mean, he barely even tries. He doesn't hardly even do any show prep. He just shows up, and he's just he's just interesting, like, all the time. And this is the only thing Scott ever told me that meant anything. Everything else was a bunch of trash. He said, man, Jeff's entire life is his show prep. His entire life. And I, I, that never left me. That never left me. And what that read to me was like, live an interesting life, do fun and interesting things, and people are going to be naturally curious to hear about it. And so with, unconsciously, that involved the way the rest of my life went for the next 20 years, for the next 15 years. The rock and roll lifestyle, the having fun, nobody, you know, throw caution to the wind, man. We're going all hard all night long. You know, I mean, we're, we're drinking and we got girls and we're having fun. I mean, I'm overly exaggerating a little bit, but it definitely was a little bit a part of the shtick, almost of the brand, if you will. I mean, I'm authentic. I am, you know, what you see is what you get. This, this is not some kind of put together, piece together, you know, character. But I, I think all that makes sense, at least to the most people who are normally been around here for any length of time. And it was Groundhog Day last week on the day I did the show. And I always look for reasons to reference old, cool movies, especially, you know, Back to the Future and uh, Bill Murray stuff and, and all this stuff. And I, I forgot all about it. I just wasn't, I wasn't paying attention. And it, it was like the perfect thing to think about with, with where I'm at in my life is that I, I'm living the same day over, over and over and over again. And just like the song, Nine Inch Nails, every day is exactly the same. And I don't have a drinking problem in the sense, like, I don't have a drunk problem. I don't have a, oh, shit, Brian's drunk again, watch out. You know, that's almost never me. I'm not saying it's never been me before. It certainly has. But generally, when I'm intoxicated, I'm welcome. Like, yeah, cool. Brian's better when he's lubed up a little bit. He's nicer. He's friendlier. He laughs more. Um, and and to a certain degree, that's true. Until till till it's not. Till eventually, that it's not. My my biggest my biggest problem is I drink constantly. There's not been a time I have not been drinking for this entire century. The volume of it is alarming, and I, uh, I, I it's killing me. It's it's slowly, slowly, slowly killing me. I went to see a nurse practitioner last year. Everybody keeps asking, or the few people I've told, because uh, this is well, obviously this is now clearly out here. But I've been kicking this around well for half a decade. But for for real, since since 
Thanksgiving. And I had to get in to see a nurse practitioner to get my blood pressure medication refilled because I was about to leave town for a week or something and it was about to run out. And I don't remember the exact scenario. And I'd never met this woman before. And my doctor's just too damn nice. The guy won't just say, listen, dude, you got to stop, bro, or you're going to die. He doesn't do that. And, and this woman didn't do that exactly. But she, it was clear she, she had some time to kill, and we were, you know, she, she prescribed the, the blood pressure medication, and then we started talking. and almost like got into a therapeutic kind of conversation. And when she noticed that I got real about saying I'm really thinking about some serious changes into the new year, she got dead serious, and she stopped me and said, you better. You absolutely better do that because if you don't, you're going to die. You're going to stroke out. You're going to have heart disease. You're going to have a heart attack. You're going to have liver failure. These are not things that might happen. These are things that are going to happen. Not next week, right? I mean, she wasn't trying to do that. Scare me like that. But I'm, I'm on my way into my mid-40s. You never know at that point, man. Things start to change. And that scared the shit out of me. And... And so it's not just drinking. It's I got to do, you know, activities. I've got to do, you know, I've got to eat better. I eat pretty good. I don't eat that bad. That that's going to be the easiest thing to fix. That's going to be the easiest thing to fix. But the activity and cutting out the alcohol, that's not going to be easy to do because I've never done it. I've never been active and I've been drinking my entire freaking life even before I was of legal age. And it's just time, it's time. So in 2 weeks or a week and a half I'm going into a detox, inpatient, like the whole intensive thing, medically, you know, monitored uh, rehab that they want it to be for 30 days. That's that's the way that this thing is designed to it's to be for 30 days. Now, I'm going voluntarily. I can leave whenever I want the insurance. My insurance is covering it enough mostly to make it a very uh, a very doable thing and if i i told him i wanted to go for two weeks and that's it and they said well we'll let you leave after two weeks but we won't feel like we won't we won't feel confident that it's worked after only two weeks and my cocky ass was kind of like well i'll be you know i'll be the one to determine that for myself thank you very much i get a little irritated with all these arbitrary numbers 28 days here and 14 days you know everybody's different, but, um, it's a real deal. It's a done deal. As of a week and a half ago, all the paperwork work was finished. They're just waiting for me to show up. And so I got some work stuff. I got to get figured out and fixed and, and get everybody on the same page. And, um, and I want to watch the Super Bowl and have some drinks and food with friends. Um, and I want to, I want to cram in some nights drinking with old friends and people who matter to me, which there's a lot of them, man, there's, there's so many of them. I'm not going to even get close to being able to do it. I, 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 I'm trying to have the, Hey man, let's go have a beer. Cause I don't know that we're ever going to do this again. And I'm not sure that that's for sure. We won't, I don't know that I'm never going to drink again. I have no idea to try to, to try to, um, predict guess, wonder how I'm going to feel in mid March is an impossibly, worthless thing to even try to think about because there's just no way to know this is the whole 12 step program stuff this is a this is lights out at 11 o'clock 
up at 6.30, meds, check with your doctor here, then you're on to, you know, your downtime, your, your breakfast, and your first meetings of the day. Like, this isn't just sitting around in a straitjacket or, or just in a room where I can listen to, the, you know, music all day or something and just try to hopefully feel better eventually. This is an entire, it, it, it feels like adult daycare to the point where I got it frustrated and argumentative with the administrators when they were trying to tell me how this thing works. I was like, this seems punitive. Why do I feel like I'm being punished? I'm the one who's doing this. I'm the one. I feel like I should be celebrated here. Now, that's just my anxiety is just through the freaking roof. And every day since then, I mean, it's just, it gets more real. Every minute that passes... Every hour that passes, every day that passes, I'm one day closer to what this sound, this living hell environment that I that I that at least that's the way I feel like it's going to be. The facilities are fantastic. It's a very nice place, and it is here local in town. I'm not leaving town in case you know you were wondering. But the most terrifying thing, and the things that I talk to with other people who understand where my brain comes from and people who maybe don't understand where my brain comes from is this terrifying feel that how, how is anybody going to like me anymore? Am I going to be able to be creative? Am I going to be able to tell a story that anybody wants to hear? Am I going to be boring? And, you know, I, 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 this is common stuff that people go through who are in this situation. It's totally common. I've understood that. I'm, I'm all over the internet reading all these blogs, all these Reddit posts. Like, this, is, I, this shit has been consuming me since, really since December. Since the end of December when I told my mother. Once I told my mom, I knew there was no going back. But there's that dread of, no one's going to like me anymore. Who wants to listen to somebody tell stories that aren't interesting? How am I going to be able to have a tell a story about the 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 twenty two year old at uh, that I told earlier in the show at the pizza joint about the gin and the juice and the the racket and the whatever? That's not that good of a story. I get. I'm not trying to act like I just told you something that made you freaking laugh and fall out of your chair. But those things don't happen when that life isn't a thing. And I'll end this here in a minute. And, and I'll get I want to give so much credit to so many people who have been so awesome in this. And I and I and I know there's only going to be more. And I have such wonderful people in my life. Letitia Wolf, one of the most genius, brilliant, wonderful people I've ever met and ever known on New Year's Eve during the day before I went to the panic show that night. I told the story on here about that last, you know, last time ever kind of thing. We went to, to lunch, and I'd already mentioned it to her before, about a week before that, and we talked for about an hour and a half. And she's got lots of addicts in her life, just as I do, just as likely you do. And I told her that exact same thing. I'm so worried that I'm not going to be able to be me. I'm not going to be able to be interesting. I'm not going to be able to create. And if I lose that, what else is there? Like, that's what I've spent my whole life doing. And and she said, obviously completely paraphrased, but she's like, don't you think you can have a whole new perspective and canvas of creativity to work with 
in a different orbit, in a different place, you don't think you can do that? You don't think something that you've spent your entire life devoted to, that you can't do it from a different angle, and alcohol is the only thing that fueled what you thought were the, the good results that you're hoping to continue to have? You, you just you honestly don't think you can do that. And my answer was, well, yeah. I think I think I can do I think I don't know that but it was a great way of putting it to make me feel like all right I got you. okay all right okay and then two seconds later I'm back to thinking how the hell can I ever possibly do this again when I say this I just mean this when I'm this my life so uh, thanks for being here we're at about an hour now and I'm gonna go ahead wrap it up but it, it really has become it's just every day is exactly the same and it is it is the old cliche and the old cliches are real and they mean something for a reason I am sick and tired of being sick and tired and I'm too young to be feeling this beat down so regularly and as I'll say like I normally do at the end of the year at the holidays Anybody who listens to this, from the bottom of my heart, I love you to death. And I just, I, I, I ask of you and I beg of you, please don't forget me. All right, don't forget about me. I can't do this thing here for probably at least until the middle to end of March. I, it might not be until April before I can. It's just too hard to predict anything into the future. But please, don't. Don't forget about me. I've only had one violent cry in the last week and a half, and I'm going to try to not let that happen right now and end the show on that. I love you to death. Thank you so much, and um, I will be talking to you soon, I promise. Later.